You're listening to the Creatives on Tap podcast. This is Tejas Nair. I'm the studio engineer at 11 Gage Recordings. And I hope you enjoy this episode. What's up guys? My name is Tejas Nair. I'm the studio engineer here at 11 Gage Recordings. Welcome to a brand new episode of the podcast. Today we are in conversation with Watts Ayengar. Watts is the guitarist and lead vocalist of the progressive uh, rock band uh, Rainburn right here from Bangalore. Uh he is a full-time musician, so we'll be getting into what it entails being a full-time musician here in the country. Um uh, when I say full-time musician, it never means you you're just in a band playing. all the time yeah. especially in this country actually in any country right i mean it never means that uh, you're just playing in a band and you don't have any other income stream so we'll be talking about all of that what it entails being a full time musician in the country we'll also be talking about the whole songwriting process especially for a concept album because uh, from uh, if my memory is right uh, you've written only concept albums or in some form or the other Yeah so, there's yeah. always a theme uh, associated a theme. with yeah, associated. Album, yeah. and uh, your whole uh, practice routines especially uh, as you play more than one instrument so your whole practice routine uh, practicing both instruments and approaching the recording process let's get into that and uh, again thanks for doing this thanks for having me here cool so uh, let's start with um, like i said you're you are a, f- a full time musician you teach music as part of a uh music school and also your own private classes so yeah. what is your experience and uh, yeah you can start with that i think we you touched upon a really important point when you said not just this country but everywhere especially yeah. like we've talked about periphery for example yes. in the past who are probably these days one of probably the most popular modern progressive band but uh, even they have multiple income streams and misha who's the basically the leader of periphery said periphery is like a passion project almost yeah. like a hobby in terms yeah. of finance yeah so that's i think a lot of people i mean i get mostly kids who like late teenagers or uh, about that age who want to quit college and become a rock star hmm. <laughs> i've actually heard them say yeah. this so uh, i i myself have made that uh, i think all uh, of us yeah, all of us have <laughs> thought about thought it at, at that some point, point. Yeah. uh but Uh, it's important to realize that that doesn't exist anymore yeah they're going to have to do something yeah uh, else for the money to roll in so i i picked teach i mean i want to do something in music cuz that's the only thing i am um, think i can be kind of good at i picked teaching because it seemed and it's even now it seems the most appealing to me uh, i love talking about music yeah. especially as i think you'll discover when you tell me to shut up today <laughs> at some point so mm, i love I don't communicating mind music or audio anything is fine that's this is why i started this whole thing so that i can just blabber i love talking to music and i love communicating that to um, mm. younger people especially yeah. because a lot of them have sometimes are very insightful questions and um, mm. makes you question the fundamentals whether it's related to playing an instrument or about mm. the whole philosophy of music as yeah. such so yeah that's the reason i thought music jobs around music i thought music would be the best fit uh, uh, just, teaching teaching would a, be the best fit for me sorry yeah just as a side note uh this uh, teaching music wasn't your first um, like choice it wasn't your first job basically 
it was my first choice but not my touch upon that a little bit so that people get like a context on so i came to bangalore uh, as part of campus placements uh, and i started working in an investment bank mm. uh, i don't know if i should name them no it's uh, not necessary if they sue me <laughs> i don't have any money to no i don't i don't know why they sue me but uh, yeah i i worked i started working there and i realized on my first day there that i uh, wouldn't survive uh, i mean i couldn't be happy doing that mm. but i did spend a year and a bit there year and a half almost because i had some student loans to pay back and uh, when i had started studying and then got started this job my family wasn't in a my parents weren't in a great place financially so but that also got resolved luckily in that year and a half so everything got sorted out and i quit the job and then i just became a musician full time so year and a half you uh, worked with that company before uh, taking yeah. this uh, decision yeah cool we'll get into also your different uh streams of income or uh, other than being in a band so obviously being in a band is not your primary source of income it's not a stream of, of it's, it's not, not a, even not a even a st- tertiary <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if we will touch upon that also a bit uh yeah so you you have private classes you teach uh, yeah. in a music school so yeah will what are the advantages and disadvantages of uh, all of those um jobs I think if you're going to be a full-time musician, you have to reconcile yourself to the fact that you may have to lead a fairly simple life. Mm. Maybe you'll make some money. I mean, if if you're doing sessions in Bombay, for example, you might make really good money, but there's no guarantee that that'll happen. So mm. if you can simplify your life and your needs aren't, you know, overly extravagant, then I think. uh never mind teaching anything in music you should be prepared for uh, to lead a fairly simple life uh, yeah. especially if you're giving up corporate and stuff hmm. now coming to teaching itself i used to teach in schools for a while uh, like school schools where they have hmm. other subjects you know like science and whatever and that i didn't find very enjoyable because a lot of times music was a compulsory subject there hmm. and uh as much as i love music when a kid would ask me i don't like music why should i have to learn it i didn't have an answer because i, I thought that was a valid question mm. so um and i <clears throat> when i was learning music uh and i'm still learning but when i was a student of music i didn't need much motivation i didn't need anyone to come and force me to do it yeah so i think i never understood that side of it mm. like how to force people to practice and things like that because Uh, even now i mean i struggle with motivating students i'm very happy if the student is self motivated to an extent uh, of course you do your part like you know showing them a video of a great musician those mm-hmm. all the inspiring things or you talk about maybe your own this thing um routines and stuff so that's i think one of the biggest challenges of teaching uh, when you find a student who's not so motivated uh, do you think uh, keeping uh, the students uh like the difficulty of keeping the students motivated is because of uh, this day and age or has it been uh, from your experience have you heard it from even like uh, your uh, people who are senior to you and all of that who are music teachers no i don't think it's a, it's a product of uh, the day and age they might have more options now in terms of hobbies and stuff readily available but i don't think i think it's always been the case the important thing is to understand the need of each student not every student who wants to learn wants to be a great 
musician mm-hmm. i mean and some of them just want to play for their friends and it's all valid it's mm-hmm. a valid perfectly valid reason to learn it's just a, a extra curricular skill or something yeah like and that. that's fine i mean music doesn't have to mean one thing for yeah. everybody Everyone. it can mean yeah. different things for different people yeah. um yeah but so, so if a student comes with that clear headed this thing yeah i want to learn to play a few songs for my friends and i don't know be popular in college or something mm-hmm. like that uh, i'm uh, that's a yeah, very fine. helpful to me as a teacher because then i know how to you know go about teaching that person mm-hmm. as opposed to somebody who wants to say i want to who says i want to learn music in a completely wholesome way and like really get into the depths of it mm-hmm. then it's a different approach approach but then you have a lot of students who really don't know why they're there um mm-hmm. maybe they've seen somebody on tv with a guitar or something uh, or someone in their college who's really popular with the opposite or whoever like yeah. you know they're uh, attracted to and they mm. think that's a good way to uh, get there also so yeah. that, that i mean that if they told me that that i would still be okay with that teach them mm. songs that i would think would be popular at parties or whatever uh, maybe but a uh, lot of students turn up not knowing what they want which becomes difficult for yeah. me as a teacher are there any differences when you have students from both of these sides well privately you earn more because nobody's there's no middle man or yeah, nobody I mean, keeping a yeah. cut but uh, then the logistic part of it is on you uh, mm. in terms of i mean if they're late with their fees to mm. remind them to do that uh, and also obviously getting students is also your your responsibility uh, responsibility yeah. whereas with a music school you can um, you just concentrate on teaching and mm. earning money through it that's all so i, I find both of the, i mean i think a careful balance a good balance of both of them is actually quite good i have a few private students i have a few uh, i actually work with two different music schools mm. um and uh, that to me is also i mean i just have to turn up and teach which is also good like i don't think i be able to handle all private students because the logistics yeah. part of it would be a big headache for me yeah and also uh, uh coming up with a common time you you are do you do group uh, classes or is it like one on one uh right now all my students are one on one i've done workshops for uh these music schools yeah. that i've mm-hmm. i also teach at uh, which i have actually frankly enjoy a bit more than teaching these days Yeah. because those are mostly music appreciation and and if it's a vocal or some workshop you get to dive really deep into it uh those are obviously group ones so yeah i mentioned this because a, uh, yeah if it's not one on one and mm-hmm. if it's one of your private classes then coming up with a time that everyone is ready yeah, to I mean, that, that is that, a huge yeah. challenge yeah so if it's part of a music school they, they can just tell you okay this is the time if you want to join yeah, you can yeah, join yeah, yeah, yeah. but if you are the one managing everything then they they tend to take advantage of the whole thing so, and just going yeah. back to another point that um, i forgot to mention when you were talking about uh, different motivations um, i think parents f- forcing the child uh, oh, yeah, is also like a major uh, thing because they want to kind of they want to talk about They're it with their making up for their unfulfilled for their, yeah. dreams and they want to talk about it with other uh friends yeah. or whatever and it's uh, uh, terribly unfair uh, on the child obviously hmm. uh but uh most of the people i teach are at least teenagers i prefer like a slightly older group you know 14 15 plus 
least okay and you said older so, i thought like 18 no like uh, no i have students who are also like you know mid 20s and i've had a student who was 60 plus also once oh yeah hmm. okay uh, but yeah mostly I prefer uh, slightly older kids because mm. with the younger ones this is a big factor parents forcing them and yeah. uh, now everything's on zoom mostly o- or yeah. online but uh, when it was one on one it was even more of a I think parents want some peace at home so they send yeah. their kids to <laughs> yeah, yeah that's also there <laughs> but yeah you're right about the whole um almost uh, surrogate achievement thing that's yeah. not limited to music as such i mean a lot of parents want their kids to be in the army or be engineers or something or the other which basically they're also trying to make up for things that they wish they'd done and yeah. didn't do yeah let's get into uh, your the band itself and mm. uh, how you approach uh, writing uh, uh, concept albums and what is your uh, preparation and uh, process songwriting process for uh, for the same yeah i mean i've been asked this question uh, about why don't you release the singles mm. uh, because it it is it does make more sense financially and you yeah. can space it out it's much easier mm. but the way i think is a uh, very story driven uh, and i get into certain it's not always a concept album in the traditional sense but it's very thematic uh, there's a definite theme to every album sometimes in terms of sound in terms of uh, what topics broadly you're writing about so because i'm so story driven i don't think a song at a time, at a time would make uh, even if i connected them each single after single wouldn't make that much sense to me um so i come up with the concept and the story first um uh, and then i break it down into individual topics which would then become a you know each topic would become a song and okay. then i start writing the song which is a very uh, odd way and mm-hmm. riju our guitarist said this a few day, uh, like a few weeks ago he said uh, the way he writes and i think the way most people write is if they're guitarists or whatever the instrument is they come up with a riff and then try to think what kind of song this could be part of but i go the other way uh, i come up with what the song is going to be about what the entire story is going to be about yeah. that's the album then each mm. song then try to write music or come up with riffs and melodies that are so do you come up with the concept first or you start writing the songs first and then think about what the concept of the album no 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 concept first concept first then i break it down into say 10 11 whatever eight parts hmm. that this could be chapter 1 chapter it's almost like thinking of a book chapter 1 okay. would be about this and yeah. each chapter is then actually a song which is uh, the story of the so the, the concept uh, does it play a part in you writing that song yeah yeah obviously so because all of those songs because riff are, ideas and all of that i don't think uh, does it really I don't know well, how that I mean, connects. So. Yeah, every once in a while, I mean, I do come up with riffs and melodies that I just record on my phone most of the time, hmm. and forget about it. And uh, when I'm really sitting down and thinking, okay, uh, I need a this is the concept and these are the songs topics, I might think of a riff that oh yeah, I know last month I came up with an idea. I think that will fit here. Hmm. So that also happens. Okay. In that case, the riff has come first or the melody has come first, but uh, I've done nothing with it. uh uh until i remembered that uh this could fit this song idea and of course a lot of stuff just comes because i sit there and I, once the idea is in my head i just you know noodle around and 
can figure out okay this will fit this song this will not fit this idea or this theme of the theme of the song so okay. yeah i know right. it's a really odd way of writing i don't think a lot of people right but it works for me um, yeah whatever works for you yeah, and it's, it's not like you're writing one song at a time you're always i think you're yeah, yeah, yeah. working That's on multiple true. that's yeah so i think the idea is once the concept is really clear in my head then i can write really fast uh, and hmm. because if i come up with a riff uh, i can immediately figure out okay this will fit song number 7 or something like that because the hmm. I, songs in my head are really clear you know yeah i don't know if that makes sense yeah, yeah in my head it's really. clear that musically this song i think will be sort of like this and that kind of idea okay and okay so uh so you So it's so as you're working on multiple songs at a time. Yeah. And uh, how much time does it take usually for you to finish, uh, say, an eight song or ten song uh, album? Oh, uh, approximately. Actually, I work really hard on uh, letting the concept kind of percolate in my head, hmm. um, and of course, observing, reading, watching stuff, hmm. talking, social. I mean, just. meeting people and observing things and all of that and then when it's clear then it becomes happens really fast like insignify the album that we uh, full length yeah. album yeah with you i had written two songs uh and then the concept itself took me a year or something to just it was just hmm. developing in my head but once it developed i think it took me two months two and a half months to write the remaining eight songs Okay, and like the basic song. One of the songs took a month. Ah, yeah. Purpose that yeah, took yeah. almost a month, but everything else happened really, really fast after that. Okay, so it's uh, that's the basic uh, uh, arrangement of the song. Yeah. Not like the final. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't actually change that much. Um, but like for Insignify, I was writing stuff on my living room uh, couch. Hmm. different couch Just, different as the new couch. new couch uh, <laughs> uh, and i would send uh, with some some like scratch drums or something program hmm. drums hmm. it didn't change that much but now with the guys who are in the band it's things are changing a lot uh, hmm. from my demo to the what will be the final product so it's quite exciting uh and it will take a little longer because there's a lot of back and forth hmm. going on about look at changing this part or that part but i think the end result will be much stronger musically also there there have been quite a few uh, uh changes in the band a uh, lot of changes in band members so how, what is your what are the changes uh that took place with uh, in terms of song writing so band dynamics and band resp- uh, each member responsibilities uh from your old lineup and the new lineup how uh, much of the responsibility do you take up and the rest of the band members i'm a really lazy person so i'm happy to not do anything most of the time okay uh, but you are but the, i end up sound. doing uh, what i do because the other people don't seem to want to uh, hmm. so i i always start with giving them the idea conceptually or hmm. saying that we need a song like this and then nothing happens for a while then i come up with more right like song uh, musical ideas riffs and melodies and then again if nothing happens for a while then i have to think of how i want the drums to sound and things like that so uh with this lineup so far the we've written i think what four songs are completed songs. i think mm-hmm. yeah um for new song for the next album um i haven't had to work on uh 
definitely nothing that's not my instrument like drums mm. and mm. uh that's neil just handles everything and riju has actually written sections of songs like outrage the song we performed uh, at our last gig yes. she, he wrote the there's a bridge in that mm. that he came up with musically and the melody which is always a great thing mm. uh i mean he came up with the vocal melody also okay saying mm. that i think it could be like this so yeah uh, that part makes me really happy it's very collaborative now at least it's yeah. been it's the most collaborative right now than uh, as it has ever been in this band in terms of songwriting are you happy that is more collaborative uh, because uh, of the fact that everyone is um, like a song is not just your your idea or just because you don't have to do much <laughs> no i mean obviously if i don't like something somebody else does i would wouldn't settle for that wouldn't and for neither would they hmm. uh like they neil i think asked me to rewrite an outro hmm. for one for our one of our recent songs because he doesn't like the outro and i saw his point why he doesn't like it hmm. so yeah it's not uh, i mean there is some laziness but i mostly i'm just joking about that it's more uh, i think if hopefully the people in your band in general are people that you respect musically hmm. and so you want them involved uh in all the aspects and that's a good point to bring up also because uh when you're in a band and you're uh, writing uh, at least in a uh, in a serious form when you when i say band and not just you know as a hobby uh if you're a band and you're writing serious music i think everyone in the band should be uh, should get involved in the uh, get involved in the songwriting process and not bring in ego and uh, well i mean first of all this is a hobby because we don't earn any money i mean if it's yeah, a, if periphery but, is a hobby this is definitely a hobby yeah yeah i'm i'm uh, i know, you know you, you know what i mean yeah huh. yeah i don't think everybody can uh write song everybody can learn to write eventually but not mm. everyone is interested in writing songs which is okay i think <laughs> so there are a lot of bands where one or two people lead the way in terms of Hmm. composition and stuff like that there are also bands where everybody writes together collaborate no, what i meant was if if there is a main songwriter and the uh, there's one guy who does most of the work in terms of songwriting and there's another person who another person in the band who comes up with a certain part in the song uh, there are there have been bands that uh, uh, like the main songwriter will put that to the side and they want their idea to come first Uh, oh yeah, because, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I that's that's what I mean. I don't think yeah. I mean, I think maybe if you're like eighteen or nineteen, you have that ego about. Uh, mm. But <laughs> I think there are uh, people who are. Uh, well, I mean, like mentally eighteen, yeah. mentally eighteen yeah. or nineteen. Uh, at the end of the day, it's uh, music, best music possible. You want to hmm. put it out, not. Uh, a flawed uh, this thing but yeah it's not always ego sometimes you're so close to write, like when you're writing something it's a very very uh, vulnerable form of yeah, yeah expression yeah you're very close to it and if somebody in your band wants to change something or reject it uh, it, it is difficult sometimes because it kind of feels personal can yeah. i mean i can assume imagine that it can feel personal yeah, yeah. get rid of that So yeah it's I think it's not just ego it's also some sensitivities and I've I've never had that problem honestly can't remember at least when I right. somebody came and said I don't like this and I got offended like personally offended that's never happened uh, in my intro I mentioned that you play both uh, guitar and you also handle vocals for the band so how does that uh, how difficult 
uh, is it for you to handle both of those duties in the band uh, one is you have to prepare both of those parts for the songs mm-hmm. itself and then again uh, make sure those parts are prepared well when you're uh, before going into a a live show or a, mm. or a tour or something like that so how do you uh, go about that well writing the parts has never been uh, something that's uh, felt really difficult to me because i that's my number one thing uh, favorite thing about being a musician is writing songs mm. but yeah uh, preparing some of them yeah they get a little uh, complicated i mean you're well versed with all the parts i think in all yeah. our songs yeah and I, i'm sure you know like there's parts and songs which are uh, take some effort to sing and play yeah. Yeah, at the same time uh i i think i've heard a lot of advice on i think it's not something that's talked a lot about people who do two things at the same time hmm. to a you know fair degree of proficiency hmm. um i'm not talking about playing a tambourine while you're singing yeah no offense to tambourine <laughs> players but uh yeah i've heard a lot of advice that other people gave like prepare each separately then bring them together which mm-hmm. is all good advice but uh there's also one of the things i noticed in uh, a lot of time of playing was uh there were times when i would struggle with singing some a certain thing live uh and i would go back i'd be out of breath basically for that part mm-hmm. i would wonder i said this is not a difficult part why am i struggling for breath here mm-hmm. and i realized that was because just before that there was a guitar part that was coming up that was mm-hmm. a little complex okay. so my breath automatically i held my breath oh, okay okay so got it you don't realize those things if you're just a player because it yeah. doesn't if you're just a guitarist doesn't affect but it took me a long time to realize okay my breath is tensing up because yeah. just before this there was a difficult part mm. so uh i a lot of times when i'm playing guitar just practicing guitar i'm also concentrating on my breathing all the time that okay. it shouldn't tense up um uh, uh, and that's that, during i think that comes with uh, just a lot of practice because it it should be almost like a secondary uh yeah autopilot yeah autopilot thing yeah because vocals for the most part can't be auto pilot cuz you have to put certain feeling yeah uh, into them uh, but riffs and i mean mostly you're playing riff parts or you know chordal stuff when you're singing hmm. that can be on autopilot cuz like when you're playing a guitar solo and vibrato cannot again for example be on autopilot because hmm. you need to put some heart and emotion into it right then and there uh the intensity of that moment but uh, yeah for the most part when you're singing and playing guitar the guitar needs to be pretty much second nature yeah also yes. i think bifurcating the parts that you're playing so uh i myself has, have seen uh, doing your shows mm-hmm. uh you handle the rhythm parts when you're singing so that it's not uh, obviously it'll be a lot more uh, tougher to play a lead section so bifurcating the parts between your members and mm-hmm. making sure it's the most uh, efficient way to uh, uh, make it sound from uh, an audience perspective because well i mean generally nobody's playing lead guitar when unless they're like a really obnoxious show off feel lead uh, guitar player yeah. they won't be playing lead guitar when the singer's singing hopefully yeah. no but if like there is a like a backing way mom steen or something yeah. maybe <laughs> not a i i didn't mean a solo i meant like a lead layer type thing there are times I, when i play chordal stuff uh when i'm singing which is fairly simple hmm. times when i'm playing some like elusive light for hmm. example one of our songs i'm playing that 
uh, riff hmm. while singing the verses, yeah. and the other part is actually really simple. Hmm. uh but somehow it depends a lot on uh what's the subsequent part so if i'm on a distorted patch hmm. and my the next part uh i have to play an, a distorted thing again hmm. so i would rather do that than have people keep switching hmm. uh, you know what i mean yeah um yeah. so if the other guy guitarist is on a clean part i yeah. would rather let them or a cleanish guitar or the same guitar patch and let them stay Continue throughout as yeah. much as possible yeah. through that so that it sounds more um flows better i guess in a live show so sometimes you take those decisions uh based on that and then you end up with a difficult part for yourself and then you just have to figure out a way to i don't know uh pull it off yeah and uh, what what is your uh... uh process like when it comes to the recording process uh for the same for the, both the instrument i mean when i say instrument the guitar and uh, your vocals how do you prepare your vocals before coming into a, a session yeah, i mean i do the, the things that everybody talks about like try to sleep well the night before and warm up and drink a lot of water and sometimes you remember when how we did recorded within uh No, no, wasn't suicide, uh, suicide note the on the last EP, EP. the piano version. Yeah. So uh, sometimes you get into that like headspace. You want the recording studio to be dark, or you want it to be night, and hmm. sometimes things like that happen. But for the most part, it's pretty fairly uh, normal preparation process. One of the things I realized it took, again took me a long, long time to realize this is with rock, any kind of rock music, um, you can be a little bit here and there with your pitch hmm. like slightly and it doesn't yeah. matter but uh, you need to be very sincere in your delivery hmm. yeah. so if the notes are a little bit here and there i mean it in within the context of rock it's uh, you know it's not like indian classical music which is very strict yeah. it's okay uh, so in the past sometimes i would be so concentrating so hard on singing that all the right pitches absolutely accurately that i think I didn't put enough feeling into the recorded vocals, and even insignify. I hear parts of it where I think I could have done a better job vocally. Mm-hmm. Versus like resignify the EP, where it's a little loose in terms of yeah. pitches or even the timing of the singing. But yeah. I think it's a lot better overall mm-hmm. because there's more uh, conviction and passion in the delivery. and uh, your uh, guitar parts because there are quite a few uh, la- layers and uh, tonal uh, changes in all of your uh, songs so how do you make sure those are uh, translated well uh, before it comes to the recording process because once you record it then it's it's done yeah. so how do you uh, how do you decide that okay this is going to be uh, I-, i want this part to be recorded in this way and i i would like this layer to kind of uh be on the side so is it uh is it fully your decision or how do you um, make that decision it's kind of half and half uh, like when you talk about layer on the side uh, you talk about panning for example even tonal I mean, uh, uh, tonal uh, stuff hmm. i'm talking about so not just panning no, and that uh, a very underrated aspect of recording is pre production yeah making demos yes uh and in those demos you try and figure out as much of the arrangement as possible of course sometimes magic happens in the studio and that's good hmm. you might change a part right there which is hmm. good but for the most part to try and 
figure out all the different arrangements harmonies all that stuff try and fix it as much as possible before you actually record the song record, yeah but there's a downside to that because if you work really hard on the demo you spend a lot of time listening to it you then are too married to the idea of how things sound in the demo on the yeah. demo yeah and we're talking about panning for example if you're used to hearing a part on the right side hmm. and the mix engineer puts it on the left side uh because you're so used to it on the right the first hearing it sounds wrong hmm. but it's actually not wrong it's just a subjective uh thing so uh the thing that i uh, recommend the people who are try to do myself and we're going to do that for this album again is to make demos pre-production hmm. but to do in them very fast as fast as possible hmm. so that you don't spend a lot of time listening to the you'd spend a lot of time working on your guitar tones and stuff yeah for the demo but once it's recorded you don't spend too much time listening to it maybe once or twice to make sure the arrangements there's nothing clashing and all so that way you're not married to the idea or tied to the idea that things have to sound this way in the final yeah. version so you bring up uh, two like really important points here one is uh, this whole uh, pre-production thing and the second one is this being married to the demo mm. itself which uh, in the audio world they call demoitis yeah, yeah. So, i know that yeah, so, heard that uh, yeah so the pre-production uh, stage there are two ways of going about it one is you if if you're not sure about how to go about it then you hire a studio uh, engineer yeah. and get it done in that way uh, so you can experiment at the studio with the gear that they have hmm. and uh, get your uh, tones finalized for uh, uh, for the album and also the parts finalized because once once your tonal uh, once you make your tone decisions then your uh, decisions for different parts of the songs also might yeah, yeah. change yeah that also uh, happens yeah. yeah so that is one way of going about it uh, but you'll need to keep a specific amount of uh, money aside for that mm. but uh, especially being in this country and being in the city where everyone is very skeptical about uh, spending money first thing second thing the trust thing is not there which i find very mm-hmm. less uh, they don't trust anyone with uh, their process so if if that is the problem then record your own part so that you can listen to it listen back to it and make decisions uh, on the songwriting process based on that and uh, a lot of uh, people uh, these days aren't open to uh, spending time learning all of these things uh, which is yeah i mean it, it's it's okay if you don't want to learn if you find an engineer that uh, can be sort of a producer as well hmm. uh, and you have faith in them like you said trust is an important part of it then you just uh, i think steven wilson was asked this question about guitar tones Yeah. He said I'm a producer my job is not guitar tones if I need good mm. guitar tones I, I have a guitar guy I go yeah. to him pay him some like whatever for his time mm. and he gets me a good tone so yeah I mean uh, it's important to delegate those things and if you uh, can't or don't want to get into certain things you don't let's mm. say I don't want to learn much about drums or anything yeah. really yeah so I have to trust my drummer or, uh, completely with the parts that he yeah but say uh, why i bring up this topic is say you're, you're a vocalist mm-hmm. uh, the only way to kind of test out your parts before the recording process or before finalizing your song itself is recording uh, yourself and uh, recording harmonies or backing uh, backing vocals and all of that testing it out for yourself if it's working in the right way yeah uh, so i think that 
knowledge is very important even in terms of guitars uh mm. like you know if you're doing rhythm parts double tracking your guitars and then seeing if that that gives the effect that you want to create yeah. and then even you know all of these pan decisions if you take uh, you know beforehand you have an idea and you have a vision for the song hmm. before you even get in uh, get into the studio you're not going to the studio blind yeah and i think it's a good idea to involve uh, uh, your mix engineer whoever's that going that's going to be a little early on like hmm. don't record and then go to them yeah. because they they'll have inputs uh, for yeah. certain things uh, which will really help because eventually they are the ones who have to handle all the tracks that you give yeah. them right so it's always good to uh, have an engineer on board before the start of the uh at least before the start of the pre-production process hmm. maybe not while writing not while it's writing, fine yeah. yeah it's fine but uh, pre-production time you should be sure of who's mixing it and uh hopefully you've heard a lot of their work so you're subconsciously also working in a yeah. recording in a style that that's why you pick them right you think yeah. they'll work for your style so yeah it's cool. and uh, the second point was the demo artist thing which is uh i think you'll have to be a little I, i wouldn't say flexible but open to new ideas uh so if if someone actually from if say i'm i'm the mix engineer or the producer for the album if i give you a certain suggestion i'm not saying that you have to follow it but mm. you can be open to it because uh that might open up other uh, avenues in terms of uh, making that part a little more interesting so uh maybe you can be open to that but there have been situations where uh i know that that uh, that part might not work after giving the suggestion and listening to the other side also like if i mm-hmm. if i tell you maybe you can uh add this part but then f- you will give me a justification for that part and uh, if i feel like okay that actually makes sense then i'll let it go because ultimately i am serving you as yeah. the client so uh, i will give my side of it as my job i think your then, answer your uh, the extent of your suggestions will also depend on how sure the person or people are about the vision for the yeah, song yeah. you sometimes you get a lot of people who are just confused about how they want it to sound yeah. then you might say a bit more but if somebody comes in very sure of how they want things to work and you agree that yeah hmm. it's a valid this thing that they have then you you know probably not suggest much because yeah this person has an like a pretty fair idea of what they want eventually yeah. and uh, if for the people who don't uh, uh, exactly understand this whole demo it is things just a brief explanation of what it is so when when a band uh, finishes their songwriting process uh, especially if they record themselves so they have say program drums and uh, guitars bass vocals and all of that is already set and they have a balance going on and that is sent to all members of the band and they listen to it for i'm guessing a couple of months at least uh, before the recording process and once the recording process starts if if they're not sure of their vision then the recording process might change a few things and then they start becoming unsure from that stage itself uh, and then it moves on to the mixing stage where again things will change so that's why i say the recording stage and pre production stage is the most important because once that is set then you don't have to worry about oh is it going to change a lot because if you have recorded it well uh, first mm-hmm. actually first uh, played it well um performed it well recorded it well then 
it's not going to change uh, that much because mixing is not meant to be a huge uh, change especially if if you're good musicians yeah it's meant to enhance uh, and you know make everything uh, more clear obviously like all the layers and parts meant to enhance bring out the songwriters or the composers and the musicians vision the obviously the best way you can that uh, one of the things you were talking about vocal recording is um one of the ways i use to test whether i've done a good take and that started to resignify it so it's very recent is uh, i don't know if you remember i asked you to play them play the vocals back without adding any delay compressor yeah. nothing yeah cuz if that sounds decent then you've done a good job you know mm. then anything else you do will make it just sound better yeah so that's a good way to record listen to your vocals uh, a take is to listen to it dry and yeah. if you're doing that for the first time it'll be a little shocking because yeah. it sounds weird yeah but after a while you figure out whether it's a good take or not based on just the dry um, playback i i usually do that i played without uh, effects for uh, listening uh, to the take right after uh, yeah. that take is complete because that's the best way for me also to uh, judge uh, and i might tell to uh, do a retake of that particular take in yeah, case yeah. it's not uh, done properly so yeah so just to complete that so when a band is not open to listening uh, open to that change from recording to the mixing stage or from the songwriting to the uh, recording stage that's that's what we call demo artists because they're so used to listening to that uh, demo yeah, again yeah. and again for months months and months together and then when that uh, when that transition happens from song uh, song the final stage of songwriting to recording uh, and mixing then a lot of things change so you have to kind of you know that those changes are going to happen so you know you're working with someone uh, yeah uh, that you hired so you'll have to trust that person and you'll have to uh, maybe have a conversation with him him or her beforehand you can uh, i think you can decide which things are uh, indispensable like i want it to be this yeah, way yeah, and which things thing. you can you're just open to <clears throat> and those decisions should be made before you before the mixing process starts yeah and those communicated uh, yeah and once that is communicated uh, it becomes a lot more easier for me as an engineer or yeah. anyone uh, as an engineer to take uh, certain decisions i don't have to kind of think oh, will the will the band like if i do this because i know that you you communicated this to me this part is should sound like this so i have that blueprint ready already yeah so i'm following that and that makes the process a lot more easier you remember the process uh, i think just before our recording for one of the albums the recording process uh, a way to kind of test out which mic works for your voice yeah so yeah, you remember yeah. the process that uh, you uh, went yeah, to yeah, i think I you went to a yeah i went to a lot of different yeah. used a lot of different mics uh, including a neumann uh, 87. u 87 which was uh, yeah uh, lots of expensive mics we ended up going with the shore sm7b yeah um but yeah i mean i'm not saying mics are not important gear is not important it's all really important but mm. uh i think this won't make sense to somebody who's not gone through the process to mm. me right now the mic is not such an important part of a the recording process the most important yeah. part is me and my preparation the second most important part is you what you yeah. like the engineer what you do with it third most important part is the equipment and the environment 
for um, me it's always the performance first and then mic yeah. choice and whatever gear choice for that so but that's yeah that's like when i was a kid and i was lusting after all these guitars and like the older pros would say tone is in the fingers and i'd be like this is all some bullshit like yeah. just making up random shit how can it be uh, but you have to go through the process to realize yeah i think it is in the fingers a lot of it not yeah. all obviously i mean you can't uh, play you know animals leaders on a broken gibson or uh, you know local acoustic guitar <laughs> mm. but uh, a lot of it is in the style and technique and fingers and that kind of stuff and similarly the Uh, recording process it's the people and their delivery in the performance that's more important than the gear hmm. but yeah like i said like you said during insignify i tested a lot of mics had to go through that process to realize that it's yeah. maybe not as important as i was thinking at the and time and you even sent me a couple of files uh, i sent you a lot with, of files a lot of files with uh, your vocals recorded uh, using yeah. different mics and you asked me to do a blind test and tell me which yeah, uh, yeah. sorry tell you which sounded the best yeah and uh, i think both of us uh, finalized on the on the shore sm7b yeah sm7b sounded the best but during insignify uh, yeah. yeah during resignify it we recorded with your uh, nt2a is it nt2a yeah yeah Now and uh, yeah congratulations yeah, <laughs> yeah I, uh, but yeah i mean i i like like i said i like my singing on resignify a lot more than on insignify obviously that had nothing to do with the mic it was the preparation of the uh, like my performance basically yeah yeah just to tie all this up our entire conversation uh, how important do you think is uh, having even though you want to be a full time musician but uh, how important is it having a full full time job and supporting yourself even you can't uh, just for the younger audience if mm. someone's listening how important is it to support yourself in some form or the other and not depend on you know just playing in a band because that's not going to support you in any way in any yeah i mean you form. can't you have to figure out whether it's doing a corporate job or having a business but in all the cases or teaching or anything in all the cases the key thing as your band gets uh, more and more popular it gets harder not easier because you do more shows more tours you're away for longer uh, you have more commitments in terms of putting out albums and recordings and so uh, you need to have whatever work you're doing for your income has to you have to figure out a way to make it flexible if it's your own business somebody needs to be able to handle it when you're gone at erratic times if it's a job you need a you know benevolent employer or who are okay with your as long as you're able to be productive overall over a time period teaching so uh finding a something that gives you steady money is one part of it but that something should also give you the flexibility to uh you know be able to do all these things and what would be your advice to uh, someone who is looking to record an album and uh, they're not sure how to kind of uh, handle the whole money part of things and uh, saving up for uh, the whole recording process uh, hiring the right people and all of that what would you what would your advice be for them yeah i mean it's a hard thing um because good talent doesn't come cheap uh and it will make a difference to your overall uh the output if you record in with good gear or um, i know we just spoke about yeah. how gear is not the most important thing but i said mm. it's still important uh 
So I think at some point you have to take a decision. Like if you don't have money right now, but you think maybe in a few months uh, you'd be able to put together the money. <laughs> Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> Fiona, if you think in some months you'll be probably you'll be able to put together some money, uh, then it's worth waiting. A lot of people are just in a hurry to put out stuff. I don't know why, hmm. because I really don't understand that. I get it on one level, like I mean, you want to put stuff out, yeah, and you know, yeah, yeah. I get but that, but yeah. you can, surely you can wait a little longer. But yeah. then, if you're sure that maybe in two, three years you still won't save enough money, hmm. then you might as well put it out. And yeah, it's going to be badly mixed, maybe or produced. But hmm. the alternative is never putting it out at all. Uh, which I've seen people who do that also. Like I know a guitarist, probably one of the best guitarists I've seen. Definitely in the city, hmm. never plays live, and because keep saying my sound is not ready, a technique is not ready. Uh, so you can just sometimes you can spend your whole life just waiting to be ready. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's a call that you have to make. If you can wait a few months and save money, then you should. But you, if you know that even in a year or two years or three years, you're just not earning enough to be able to afford uh, quality mix engineers or recording environments, then might as well just record it and put it out. But yeah be prepared to live with the consequences, consequences. of yeah. that and i always tell bands also it's not if you don't have the budget to release an album which is always preferable for the mm. listener and for you uh, you'll have a body of work then but if you can't release an album then release a single because that will that might work for your budget you don't have to spend that you know big uh, amount of money at one time uh, and also if you can release it frequently so uh, yeah. If you can save up a little bit, release a single. This is in case you have like a bunch of songs already ready. And if you don't have the budget to release that bunch of songs, release one song, uh, save up for a few more months, release another song. But don't uh, put out mediocre stuff unless like the way you said. No, right? Like uh, I said, if you have yeah. no choice yeah, if at you have all. No choice, then yeah. If you so can't. I think a fairly rare case. I mean, look, we all in the scene, we are fairly privileged whether we like to believe it or not yeah, and we yeah, might yeah. a lot of us might whine a lot all the time mm. but we do in this country from an economic stand of po uh, point of view we come from fairly reasonably privileged backgrounds i'd say mm. so i think you can definitely uh, figure out ways to save up money yeah uh, yeah but i was talking about the really extreme case where you mm. want to but there's absolutely no absolutely, way then yeah. you just put it out what else can you do you can't yeah. just sit home and do nothing as in not yeah. putting so, yeah that makes yeah. sense uh, cool. So I think we have covered everything that I wanted to okay. uh, cover with you. Thanks Great. a lot for doing this. Thanks for uh, having me. Hope someone uh, finds something uh, useful in this entire conversation. Uh, music, I mean, younger musicians, uh, people who want to release new material, uh, all of that, and uh, who are not sure about how to handle uh, money and the whole process so hope someone finds yeah. this useful and uh, i hope so too especially the part about the whole teaching thing right like yeah, hopefully that, yeah figure out a way to get into music and be able to sustain uh, a living you know yeah so yeah. yeah thank you so much again for doing thank this you. and uh, we'll Pleasure. speak again soon yeah all right awesome bye